Pentecost Sunday is coming on June the 4th. And so for the next few Sundays, except for next Sunday is Mother's Day. But the two Sundays after that, we'll be talking about the Holy Spirit. And today, I just want to give a quick introduction because I know we, the service has already been prolonged. So I just want to be very quick about this. I just want to tell you something, that the book of Acts is an amazing book when it deals with the Holy Spirit. You cannot substitute the book of Acts with any other book because that book deals with the Holy Spirit and it is a powerful, powerful, powerful book. And so you need the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit is not a cloud. He is not a dove. He is not some distant person. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead and that person desires to walk with you and talk with you and to be with you. Jesus said that He was going to send this person. Everybody shout out, He's the third person of the Godhead. Come on, somebody shout, He's the third person of the Godhead. And sometimes in church, this is what I call it, sometimes in church it's called charismatic chaos. Everybody shout that with me. Charismatic chaos. Now, have you ever been in a service that's been charismatic chaos? You don't even know what was going on. It was so out of order, you just didn't know what was going on. And this is the thing. This is what I want you to understand about charismatic chaos. Anytime there is fire, there's going to be smoke. But you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Can I hear an amen? And there are people today, I will never attend a Pentecostal church because they're all crazy. I've seen them hang from the chandeliers and roll on the floor. I will never go to a Pentecostal church because they freak me out. And isn't it amazing that there's other churches that would probably freak me out too. If you went to a Catholic church and them speaking in Latin, that'd probably freak me out. The Mormon church wears secret underwear. That probably would freak me out too. But somehow, the, somehow the Pentecostal church has got a bad rap. And so what we're going to do for the next few weeks, except for next Sunday, it's Mother's Day, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, and we're going to talk about charismatic chaos, and we're going to learn about the Holy Spirit being operative in our life. Can I hear an amen? So what I want you to see is just because you've had a bad experience in a Pentecostal church doesn't mean that we need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. It doesn't mean that the gifts that are operative that's found in the Scripture should be done away with. Can I hear an amen? Just because you've had a bad experience with it doesn't mean we need to throw it out. Can I hear an amen? And there's going to be bad experiences. There's going to be people that will misunderstand the gifts of the Spirit. There's going to be people that will misunderstand the Holy Spirit. But we don't need to throw that out just because you've had a bad experience with it. Can I hear amen? The very first scripture that I want you to see is found in Acts. The Bible says in Acts 14 and verse number 16, this is what Jesus said, but you, and I will pray to the Father, and He will give you another helper, that He may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him or knows Him. Now the Bible says, but you know Him, for He dwells with you, and He dwells in you, and I will not leave you orphans, but I will come to you. Somebody shout, the Holy Spirit lives in me. And somebody shout, the Holy Spirit is with me. Come on, I want you to shout it one more time. The Holy Spirit is in me, and the Holy Spirit is with me. 
So Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm not going to leave you without anybody. As a matter of fact, when I ascend to heaven, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And this person, this real life person, who is the third person of the Godhead, He is going to be with you, and He is going to be in you. You see, well, I don't, I, what if you don't speak in tongues? you still got the Holy Ghost on the side of you. If you love Jesus, you confessed Him as your Savior, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. Do I have anybody in the building that you know the Spirit of God lives on the inside of you? Come on, is there anybody that says, I know the Spirit lives on the inside of me? And not only does the Spirit live in you, but the Spirit shall be with you. Do you see the word helper there? Verse number 16, and I will send a helper That word helper in the Greek is paraclete, the one who walks beside of you. Can somebody say amen? The one who walks beside of you. So that tells me if I'm walking in the valley of the shadow of death, the Holy Spirit is walking with me. Come on, somebody. If I'm walking through trouble, the Spirit of God is walking with me. If I'm walking through sickness, the Holy Spirit is walking with me. Come on, sometimes we feel like we're alone. Sometimes we feel like, God, you have left me. Where are you at? But i got good gospel news for you today. The Spirit of God walks with you. And the Spirit is in you. He will be a helper to you. So no matter what you're walking in, the Spirit walks with you. So you should never feel alone. You know, David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Did you get it? Because sometimes you've got to read the Bible. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Why is there a shadow? Jesus is the light of the world. There is a shadow in the valley because there is light in the proximity at the end of the valley. Somebody should go ahead and shout right there. So even when you're walking through the valley, the Lord wants to remind you that there is light at the end of the tunnel and it's only temporary. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death because there is light in the proximity. He says, I'm not going to leave you orphans. For the Spirit is going to be with you and the Spirit is going to be in you. So you have the Spirit of God inside of you right now. The Spirit is walking with you. The Bible also says in John chapter number 16, Jesus said, He said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when He, that's a person, He, it's not a ghost, it's a spirit, But he's a person. When he, that person, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth and he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come and he will glorify me. The spirit of God not only lives in you, not only does the spirit walk with you, but the spirit will always lead you into truth. The Spirit is not going to tell you to divorce your wife and marry somebody else because you can't get along with them. And somebody better help me preach right now. The Spirit, if you got your eyes on somebody else's mate, 
That is not the Spirit of God inside of you. You're following some other spirit. Because the Spirit of God will always lead you into truth. He will lead you into righteousness. So yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, He's walking with me. Where is He walking with me? He's walking with me into truth. He leads me into truth. The Spirit always leads you into truth. You know what? This person has gifts that He wants to give to you. Is that right? He has many gifts He wants to give to you. And some of those gifts have been abused in the past. But this Holy Spirit desires His church to operate in those gifts. The Bible says in Luke chapter 3, verse 16. Now isn't it interesting? Get this. John 3.16 is salvation. God so loved the world. Luke 3.16 talks about the other experience you need. The first experience is John 3.16, which is salvation. The second experience that you should endeavor to have is called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. John answered and said, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose, for He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So John 3.16 is salvation. But Luke 3.16 is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is what I want you to see. This is so cool and I'm going to let you go. You ready? Everybody say, I'm ready. If you take your Bible to the book of Acts, this is what's so cool. Ready? Everybody say, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. You ready? If you go to the book of Acts, because you know Acts is all about the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter number 1 Jesus prepares His disciples for the Holy Spirit. So the very first thing that happens in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 4, and being assembled together with them, He commanded them not to depart, but to wait for the promise of the Father. So He's telling, now don't lose me because this is important. I want to bring out something to you. Okay, The very first thing you see in the book of Acts is that Jesus says, go wait for this Spirit. Go wait for Him. Go wait for Him in the upper room. Okay, There's about 120 of them. They're waiting in the upper room. He says, you've already heard this from me. Alright? He says, verse number 5, for John truly baptized you with water, but the Holy Spirit's going to baptize you with what? Fire, not too many days from here. So number one, you see preparation. Preparation. He prepares them for the Holy Spirit. Everybody shout preparation. He says wait for it. Wait for it. Be prepared for it. Then number two, he talks about purpose. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses. So what is the purpose of receiving the Holy Spirit is that you would be a witness. It's not coincidence that this is Mission Sunday. Because it's not about us receiving the Holy Spirit and about us shouting and falling on the floor. That's all good and fine. But there's more to the Holy Spirit than us shouting. There's more to the Holy Spirit than us speaking in tongues. And there's more to the Holy Spirit than us falling on the floor. The Holy Spirit is given to us so that we would be witnesses outside of these church walls. Can I hear an amen? 
That is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. So number one, everybody say, preparation. Number two, not only does He prepare them, He gives them a purpose. What is the purpose? Witnesses. Now, get this. He says, go wait for it, go prepare for it. After you, he says, the purpose of it is that you'll be a witness. And then he goes on to say this. He says, verse chapter number 2, verse 1. So you have preparation, purpose. Then chapter 2, verse 1 says this. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were one place, one accord, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, okay, as a rushing mighty wind. So guess what? Go back to that first screen, Jeremy. You have preparation. You've got to wait for it. Number two, you're going to be a witness. And number three, there is the presence. Chapter two, the presence of the Holy Spirit came. So what is number one? He prepares them. He gives them the purpose. And number three, He what? He sends His presence. Somebody shout preparation. Somebody say purpose. Somebody say presence. So he prepares them. Wait for it. You're going to be a witness. That's the purpose of it. And then in chapter 2, the presence of God came. And then guess what? The same chapter, the same chapter, verse number 14. Verse number 14. Chapter 2, verse 14. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. And Peter, now this is after the Holy Spirit has come, okay? The Holy Spirit came in the upper room. Peter stands up and he begins to preach. Standing with the eleven, men of Judah, and all those who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed to my words. Peter started preaching. Because listen, you can't have the presence of God unless there's proclamation of the Word of God. Well, somebody better help me preach. I said, we can shout, we can jump on seats, and we can fall on floors, but there must be the proclamation of the Word of God coupled with the presence of God. So you see what happens? You see preparation. He said, go wait for it. Then number two, he says, you're going to be witnesses. Then the presence came in Acts chapter 2, and then Peter begins to preach. That's all in the book of Acts. Then right after Peter begins to preach, guess what happens? Verse number 40. Yes, this is so cool. Acts 2 verse 40. This is what this says. And many other words they testified, exhorted, be saved from this perverse generation. Verse 41. Then those who gladly received His word were baptized and 3,000 souls were added to them. Verse number 42, they continued steadfastly with the apostles' doctrine, prayers, and breaking of bread. So guess what? This is the church. This is what the church is doing. So, so do you see the progression? Number one, it starts with preparation. Go wait for it. The purpose of the Spirit is that you would be a witness. Then the presence of God came in Acts chapter 2, and then Peter begins to preach... And guess what the product was? The product was the church. Boy, somebody should have. Is there anybody here in the preacher this morning? So, so, listen, listen, listen. Wait for it. Wait, wait for this spirit. 
this third person of the Trinity, the God person, the, the, the third person of the Trinity, wait for Him. The reason you need to wait for Him is that you can be a witness to all the world. But guess what happened in chapter 2? The presence of God came and they got filled with the Spirit and they started to be a witness and Peter begins to preach. He began to proclaim the message and as a result of that, the church is birthed. So what are you saying, Pastor Josh? My responsibility is to prepare you to be a witness so that you can be in the presence of God, so you can hear the Word of God, and as a result of that, the church is strengthened. You see that? Somebody shout, preparation. Somebody say, purpose. Somebody say, presence. Somebody say, proclamation. Somebody say, product. And guess what? Don't lose me. If... We follow this, and we're the product of this. Then number, the last thing is that you walk in power. Now hold, hold on, I'm about to shout. Y'all ready? How many say I'm ready for this, Pastor? How many say I'm ready for it? You ready? Guess what? Guess what? Chapter one, he prepares them. Chapter one, he tells them the purpose of it—to be a witness. Chapter two, the Spirit comes. The presence of the Lord comes. They're a witness. Peter begins to preach. Because that's what happens when you get in the presence of God. You declare the truth of God. Then as a result of that, Brother Ben, the church is birthed. And the church had 3,000 souls added to them in one day. And guess what happened? As a result of that, Pastor Orlando, chapter number 3 demonstrates the power of God. Woo, somebody shout hallelujah. Chapter, listen, chapter 1, prepare. Chapter 1, the purpose. Chapter 2, the presence of God. Chapter 2, the preaching. Chapter 2, the church's birth. And then chapter number 3 is when they start to walk in the power of God. How many wants to know what the power of God is? Come on, somebody better help this preacher out this morning. I said, how many wants to know what the power of God is? Sister Sharon, this is the power of God. Acts 3. Everybody say power. Somebody shout power. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. This is the power of God. The power of God is this. Now, Acts 3, 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask of alms of those who entered into the temple. And seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked of alms. And fixing his eyes on him, Peter and John said, Look at us. So he gave heed and attention, expecting to receive something. Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have. But such as I have in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Somebody shout power. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he leaped up, stood, walked, and entered the temple, walking, leaping, and praising God, and all of the people walking and praising God. Then they knew it was him who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement for all that had been done. Somebody shout power. Somebody shout power. 
So the power of God was made manifested in chapter number 1. Now good, don't lose me. How do I know that the church is walking in power? How do we know that we are a church that's walking in the power of God? Preparation, purpose, presence, proclamation, product, power. How do we know that we're walking in that power? Well, chapter 3 tells us. Chapter 3, verse 1. Are you ready for it? Chapter 3, verse 1. Just look at the first verse. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. The very first thing that tells us that we are walking in the power of God is when we can walk together. Somebody should shout right there. Look, put that scripture back up there for me, please. Chapter 1. Now Peter and John went up together, went up together at the hour of prayer. How do I know that we're walking in the power of God when we can walk together? Now you say, Pastor, that don't make sense until you realize who's walking together. Who's walking together? Peter and John. Peter is a loudmouth. Peter is arrogant. Peter likes loud music and church for hours. Peter has the keys to the kingdom. John is the quiet one. He likes to lay his head on the breast of Jesus. He's the one that took care of Jesus' mother. He likes pipe organs and quiet music and likes to be out in an hour. Can somebody say amen? So you have Peter and John working together, walking together. I can just imagine John saying as they're walking together, Peter, Jesus loved me more because at His crucifixion, He is the one that told me I could take care of His mother. And then I can just see Peter. Peter's like, oh, no, 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 no. But Jesus is building the church up on me. As a matter of fact, in a few years, there's going to be a church called the Roman Catholic Church, and all the credit's going to go to me. Peter and John were two different people, but they had enough Spirit of God on the inside of them that they were willing to walk together. Let me ask you this question. Some of you like hymns, and some of you like courses. Some of you like the pastor in a suit, some of you like jeans. Some of you like lights, some of you don't like lights. But you know how the Spirit of God is really working in a church when we can cross our hands together and join our hands together and walk together in spite of our differences. You may not like what Sister Broadbottom does, but you've got enough Holy Ghost on the inside of you that you can worship together under one roof. You may not like what everything Pastor Ronnie does. You may not like everything I do, but you've got enough Holy Ghost on the inside of you that you have the ability to walk together. And how many of us allow differences to separate us because we're not walking in the power of God? When we are walking in the power of God, we have the ability to lock our arms together in spite of our differences, and we can learn to worship together in spite of the way we feel. Peter and John 
walking together to the temple, two different people. But they had enough Spirit of God inside of them that they knew how to worship. Sometimes we let our differences separate us. Sometimes we're like, well, you know, I just don't like it any longer. But the Spirit of God teaches us that we have the ability to worship together in spite of our differences and walk together in spite of our differences. And isn't it interesting? Look at chapter 3, verse 1. Peter and John went together to the temple at the hour of prayer. It's hard not to walk with somebody when you're not praying for them. It's easier to walk together with someone when you are praying for someone. The reason Peter and John could walk together, Brother Bob, is because they were going to pray together. And people that pray together is a people that stay together. A marriage that prays together is a marriage that stays together. A church that prays together is a church that stays together. Our shouting, our speaking in tongues is all good. But that's not what keeps us together. It's an attitude of prayer. And Peter and John stayed together because they prayed together. And it's hard to hate somebody when you're praying for them. It's hard for me to hate Brother Mike Allenball when I'm wrapping my arms around him and saying, I'm praying for you. I may not agree with everything you've done. I may not agree with what you've done. But I love you because the Spirit of God lives on the inside of me. And I have the ability to walk together even though I don't agree with you. And you know what happens in the church? Is that we celebrate buildings and programs over people. Relationships is what matters. I said relationship is what matters. People is what matters. How do I know that we're walking in the power of God? Well, I know we're walking in the power of God when we have the ability to walk together in spite of our differences. The Spirit is the paraclete. Hearing me? Isn't it interesting that Peter... And John is about to go in the temple, and this is what happened. They come to this lame man, and the Bible says, verse number 4, and fixing his eyes on him, verse 4, he says, look at us. So here's a lame man, sick. Peter and John goes to him and says, look, look up here. Why? You know what Peter and John was saying? We want you to see that we see you. Look up here. We want you to see that we are looking at you. And people who are lame, people who are lost, we see them, but we don't see them. And I know the power of God is working in a church when we have the ability to look at people who are different from us. Look at the people who live different than us. And we need to look at those people and say, look at me. I see that you are hurting. I see that you are human. I see that you are struggling. And you're not just another statistic. You are important to us. Look at us. Kind of like You're going to Walmart. 
And that guy is out there with a sign. You see him, but you don't see him. Peter said, look up here. Look up here. Look at me. You're valued. You are important. Let me tell you something. Just because that man was lame doesn't mean he was dumb. Did y'all hear me? Sometimes people without opportunity, we think that they're ignorant people. We think that people who have missed opportunity in life, who are lame, we think that somehow lameness equals ignorance. It's kind of like us thinking, why don't they just get a job? Somehow we think that somebody being poor equals them not being smart. But that's not what this Bible teaches. This man was a smart man. You know why he was a smart man? Because he positioned himself at the beautiful gate. The beautiful gate was the only gate that led to the place of worship. The temple had business and worship. You can go to the temple to do business. You can go to the temple to do banking. You can go to the temple to buy things. But there was one gate that was closest to the place of worship, and that was the beautiful gate. So the man was smart enough to know that if I'm going to get help, you would better put me by the beautiful gate, because I know if anybody could help me, it is people who is going to pray. So he positioned himself right in the spot to get help. So how do I know the Spirit of God is at work? The Spirit of God is at work in a church when we can worship together and walk together in spite of our differences. We know the Spirit of God is at work when, number two, we have the ability to look at people. We have discernment and the ability to look at people and recognize that those people are lost and hurting and they need help. Look at them. What is it? It's, I know the Spirit of God is at work when we, when there's togetherness, when there is seeing and discerning. And tonight, I'm going to finish the sermon by giving you the last point. So you need to come tonight, and we're going to finish chapter 3 tonight. So how many is going to come tonight? And we're going to look at chapter 3, and I'm going to give you the last point of how do we know that we are worshiping together. 